0: Welcome to Podland, the last word. In podcasting news, it's Thursday, the 21st of April 2022. I'm James Cridland, the editor of podnews.net. And I'm Sam Sethi, the MD of River Radio. He is. Podland is sponsored by Buzzsprout, podcast hosting made easy. Last week, 3,684 people started a podcast with Buzzsprout, and you can too at buzzsprout.com. And if you use chapters in your podcast app, then Buzzsprout supports those, and so do we. And we also support transcripts, James. We do also support transcripts,
1: you're right. (laughs) On this week's show, what are we going to talk about? Well, let's start off with uh, Spotify selling more vaporware again, James, it feels. Uh, In June 2021, Spotify announced the Spotify Green Room Creator Fund. That sounded exciting. It was going to support and reward creators and the communities they build and the experience They created it said Uh, But sadly I don't think that fund ever paid out and I think it's now closed James. Is that the fact?
0: I think that's pretty well it yes So in terms of uh, that we saw uh, pod news a email which was being sent by uh, Spotify and uh, What it basically said yeah, we're, we're we're not doing that anymore Um, I've got, I've got a statement here from Spotify. The creator fund program is evolving along with our live audio strategy and will shift towards other initiatives for live creators. We look forward to sharing more in the future, says somebody at Spotify to me. Um, so, uh, yes. And I did a little bit of digging to discover that the website, um, was very good at being quietly changed to change when this fund would launch. And it seems that it has never actually launched at all. Um, Spotify, of course, has quite a track record of doing this sort of thing, hasn't it?
1: From uh, bands that are never actually pushed or going live to podcasts that will or won't uh, be created. Um, I think neither of us would have a problem with any of this if it wasn't for the fact that this affects a publicly listed company's share price. And it seems the Spotify fund for creator fund uh, also has checked Affected the share price as well, James?
0: Yeah, I mean, I took a look on launch day um, in the middle of June last year, and Spotify, you know, the announcement of the Green Room Creator Fund and the app allowed Spotify to outperform the market um, and added around $60 million to its market capitalization. You kind of look at that and you go, is there a strategy there? Which is essentially, we're just going to announce stuff that we have no plans in doing. Or, uh, you know, and and isn't that misleading the market? And if that is misleading the market, then isn't that illegal? Or is it just that they've, uh, you know, they have changed their mind and they were going to launch it and now they're not going to launch it? Um, Maybe that's because Spotify Green Room, you know, hasn't been an incredible success, um, just like uh, Clubhouse or Fireside. Mark Cuban's far side. Uh So perhaps, um, you know, the plan is that they just change their mind, you know, afterwards. But it's, um, you know, they do have a track record of announcing things and they're not actually following through.
1: Anyone seen the Spotify HD audio? I'd love to see that one.
0: <laughs> yes, Spotify Hi-Fi. Yes, I don't think that, that's, that has happened yet. Uh, yeah, and there are various other things as well. And I think, it, you know, it's, it's, um, it's one thing, I think, to have plans in the future. It's another thing to you know, um, uh, send emails out and do big announcements and everything else. You know, I mean, I, I got the email at, um, 11 o'clock in the evening, um, one June day, uh, basically telling me, uh, oh yes, you know, we're going to be doing this and we're going to be doing this live creator fund and creators can sign up for more information and everything else. And so of course, you know, the PR company, very keen that I covered all of this mm. stuff and, uh, and that's fine. <laughs> but, You know, you kind of have to launch it, though,
1: don't you? Uh, Yeah, put your money where your mouth is. That's what I'd say. Usually a good plan. Yeah. Now, Spotify are also in danger of being manipulated the other way. Maybe they manipulated the market, but it seems that Brazilian artist Anita's Envolva has worked out how to manipulate Spotify's algorithms. She's now the new global number one. I mean, it might have been for about a nanosecond, but she was number (laughs) one across the globe uh and yeah she did that by giving instructions to her well i guess her fans how to inflate the streaming numbers so that they could actually game the system
0: yeah exactly so it's it's quite it's quite cool you know anisa's fans were basically sharing information about you know don't just play that track on repeat because if you do spotify doesn't count it as a stream they think it's a bot so you need to go and create a playlist with different tracks all of this information as to how um, the uh, Spotify algorithm works. Um, other people have done it as well, but uh, interesting to see um, Anita's uh, fans you know very brazenly uh, doing it. Anita has said, uh, that she was shocked by uh, becoming number one. And, um, <laughs> by becoming number one, sorry. <laughs> and it <laughs> dropped a second in the chart by the end of the weekend, and a week later it was a fifth position and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so yeah you know interesting to see I'm I'm not necessarily saying and I don't think anybody's saying that Anita herself was doing this Um, it may just have been you know um, excited fans who have worked out how to manipulate uh, Spotify but it's always interesting to see how that kind of stuff works
1: yeah if you want to go and see there's a separate website called charts.spotify.com and it gives you the global as well as the country specific charts for every track it's quite an interesting site most people don't know about it
0: yeah yeah
1: now spotify again still in the news james um a bit of spotify moderation um first and foremost i think you found that spotify has quietly rolled out a new misinformation policy that says it may hide shows or in their words restrict contents discoverability Tell me more.
0: Yeah, this is a piece um, by Joshua Benton in Neiman Lab and, you know, really interesting piece where Joshua had actually done some proper um, techie uh, viewing of the source code of Spotify to discover what these new rules are, which um, are good for him uh, in doing that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, a new rule um, which is talking about restricting contents discoverability, uh, so, when content comes close to the line but doesn't meet the threshold of removal under their platform rules, they may take steps to restrict and limit its reach. So, to basically hide it from searches and things like uh, that. So really interesting uh, piece and some good work from uh, Joshua Benton there.
1: So is this actually live or is this something that they're going to be doing?
0: So this is something that is live in certain bits of the um, Spotify website. It's not yet live in the big platform rules that you see uh, linked from all over the place. As a general rule, they don't necessarily comment on this sort of thing. Um, Probably doesn't change what what the... rules are to be honest it's just basically saying that we might hide some some stuff if uh if it's a bit too close to the line but you know again interesting seeing that uh, spotify are making uh, changes here
1: well i only say that because you know we have in the past talked about oh god we're going to get an adam curry giving us grief now we have talked about in the past uh sites should be moderating content if the content itself is um, like Joe Rogan did in the past, misinforming, or if it's actually hate speech. Um, now, we we also interviewed in the past somebody called Valerie Virtschaffer from the Brookings Institute, and uh, she's also written a new document uh, talking about how platforms and their policies uh, should be. I guess, restricting content uh, and their discoverability, which is what it looks like Spotify's quietly doing here. Um, She said, a great reckoning has arrived for content moderation in podcasts. What speech should be permitted and what speech should be shared, she says, and what principles should inform those decisions? Uh, I guess it's time for the platforms to step up. Did you have a full read of that document, James?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting read. Part of it is basically explaining what podcast platforms are currently doing in terms of content moderation and in terms of how you deal with, you know, reporting um, uh, stories and reporting uh, episodes that aren't necessarily real and, you know, and, um, and uh, have the right information in them. Um, the problem is, of course, What one person's right information is another person's misinformation, and so therefore, you know, you've got all of that kind of issues there. One of the things, though, that um, the piece then goes on to talk about is the Santa Clara principles, and the Santa Clara principles are rather lovely. What they basically are is a list of things that companies should be reporting on if they are censoring content or taking content down or whatever. And so actually, the Santa Clara principles look pretty good. Um, and um, what the Brookings Institution article is busy talking about is that that everybody should at least uh, report when they are hiding stuff and uh, removing stuff and why they remove that sort of stuff anyway. And I think that that's probably absolutely fair enough. If you want a completely uncensored uh, podcast index. Then there are those out there. The podcast index itself uh, is one of those. Um, if you want to use something which has been, um, you know, censored or filtered in some way, then um, uh, you know you can use Apple. You can use Spotify. You can use other ones as well. I think as long as you know what is being censored or filtered out, then I think that that's very helpful.
1: Yeah, I'll put a a link to the uh, article from the Brookings Institute in our show notes. There was a couple of bits that I highlighted, which I thought was quite interesting. As a result, the main question facing podcasting apps is not what content to host and publish, but instead what content to play and amplify. So I guess that's a moderation decision. Um, And the last bit I did like was... It was a state. It was. It was a, a phrase. I suppose. Um, she called it. Um, it's should you share lawful content even though it's awful content, and I quite like that. That was tickled me. Yes,
0: lawful but awful. Yes, lawful but awful is quite nice. Yeah, I mean, even on Podcast Index, for example, there is um, some form of filtering going on if you do a search for particular podcasts, then particular podcasts are highlighted as number one and particular podcasts aren't. And that is a form of filtering. That's a form of someone telling the search engine what to prioritise and what not to prioritise. If you go to the podcast index and you do a search for pod news, much to my irritation, there's a German website um, that hasn't published a new episode in 15 years, but they still uh, end up being number one. And I end up being number two. I think that that's a bit weird, but that is a choice that the podcast index has made to put that particular podcast at number one and the pod news podcast at number two for a search for pod news. Uh, And there are very good reasons why it works that way, but again, you know, I, I don't think you can end up with something which is a completely um, anything goes blank blank slate type of uh, of directory because you will always get those sorts of algorithms there. And this is what you know she talks about as well in this piece is you know if you're using YouTube, what is being promoted to you underneath the video that you are currently working on? That's very much um, from an algorithm. And that's a very different conversation to is something in the directory or outside it. Is it being promoted is a very different conversation. So, yeah, I think that's all that's all interesting.
1: Mm. Well, moving on, it seems the Obamas won't be listed anymore in the uh, Spotify directory, at least not as an exclusive. Uh, They're on the move, James. Where are they off to?
0: Well, we don't know. According to Ashley Carman at Bloomberg, uh, Barack and Michelle Obama's uh, production company I- is to leave Spotify. This is actually a story that came from Business Insider in early February, where the Obamas were already saying at that point that they found it hard to get some of their ideas for shows accepted by Spotify management. They continue um, they continue to look for a renewal partner. Um, and, and you can kind of understand, to be honest, um, where Spotify is coming from, if the story is true, If someone was to come to me and say, I've got this great idea for a a podcast, I'd like, you know, X million dollars for it, please, and it's eight episodes, then I'd be saying, do I really want an eight episode podcast? Because they don't work very well, eight episode Mm -hmm. podcasts. If you're going to make a podcast for me, make a podcast for me, which is every week for two years. And that, that's, that's how you make a big success, not an eight-episode podcast that then goes away after <laughs> after two months. So I can kind of understand Spotify's point of view there. Um, but, uh, yeah, so who will they sign with? Will they sign with Amazon? Will they sign with SiriusXM? Will they sign with iHeartRadio? Will they sign with, um, you know, EvoTerra? Who knows? <laughs> who knows who they're yeah. going to sign with?
1: Or will you be announcing them as the new members of Pod News?
0: Oh, well, um, there's a thing. The Pod News Network. If uh, <laughs> if Barack is listening. <laughs> I mean, normally we joke and say, you know, oh, oh, they won't be listening. And then it turns out that they are. So uh, it's probably the case that Barack is listening. In which case, hello. Um, Afternoon, yes. Mr. President. Yeah. <laughs> <No. laughs>
1: Now, the question I, uh, I wanted to ask is it, it, two parts, really, James, on this. First mm. and foremost, um, is this showing that exclusives don't work um, uh, and that they were just a blip in the uh, timeline of podcasting, or do exclusives still work? You know, has the Barack Obama, Michelle Obama podcast driven a significant number of new subscriptions to spotify and if they then leave the spotify platform will that audience also leave spotify so is it a momentary blip or you know where do you think the exclusives sit within the um, world of podcasting now
0: i mean one would assume that barack obama wants to be and michelle obama wants to be thought leaders in the world. And you can't be a thought leader if you hide your work away uh, under a subscription wall. Um, This, by the way, is one of the problems that I have now linking to Ashikarman's great work at Bloomberg is that I can't link to Bloomberg because Bloomberg has um, a very, very small amount of free... Uh, articles, after which it just hides the entire story. But Bloomberg stories are republished all over the place, so I normally find somewhere else. But that's one of the problems here. So either you can be a thought leader, and you can be everywhere, or you can be in it for the money, and in which case, you know, go for exclusives, because that's where you're going to get some of the money from some of the um, podcast companies. I don't think you can be both a thought leader and someone who is earning a ton of cash.
1: But I think that is what Wondery tries to do. It tries to have this sort of pseudo-exclusive stroke wide distribution strategy. So they'll say, we'll produce a great piece of content. It's two weeks on Wondery if you use Wondery+. Plus but then it's going to be everywhere after two weeks. So they're trying to play both sides, I guess.
0: Yeah, and I can see that. And I think also, you know, Barack and Michelle Obama's stuff has also been doing that. Uh, It was uh, three months exclusive on Spotify and then appeared everywhere else. Now, the question is why? Um, Some people tell me that um, it's because the Obamas were very upset about being exclusive and not available outside of the Spotify ecosystem. Um, Other people tell me that the advertisers were really annoyed that they didn't get as much coverage as they thought that they were going to get. I don't know what the answer is, um, but I've heard both of those particular rumors. Um, But it comes back to, you know, if, if you are a thought leader, um, then, signing an exclusive contract isn't particularly a good plan. I mean, have a have a have a look at Brene Brown and have a look at the sales of her book after she. Uh, moved to become an exclusive podcaster with uh, Spotify and you can see that um, that was not good business sense for a bookseller. Um, you know, probably great business sense for her, you know, financially because she got a big wadge of cash from Spotify, you would you would assume. But if you're there tr- trying to also sell books, it didn't necessarily work too well. So perhaps that's part of the thinking here. Hmm.
1: One of the things I did note was uh, they won't be taking their spotify shows with them if they do move from spotify uh, a new deal uh means that spotify will keep the master recordings and the feed so whatever they do they don't own the ip to those recordings
0: yeah and i think that's that's the typical way that a normal contract like this works you know you you end up buying the ip you don't just buy a limited use of the IP. Now, Joe Rogan is different. Joe Rogan is a licensing deal and Joe Rogan is a licensing deal for um, whatever it is, three years. Um, and after that, one would presume that Spotify don't keep the IP because it's a licensing deal for that, for that three years. In terms of this, you know, Spotify was playing a different game here uh, in terms of um, whether or not they would buy the full, um, the full IP.
1: Well, maybe the BBC should take
0: note. <laughs> well, maybe the BBC should. But again, either you come at this like a normal Acast publisher, and you um, and you just hope that you get enough listens to get enough adverts in your podcast. Or you come at this um, like a Spotify um, podcaster and you have this great big wadge of money up front, and that's lovely, but it's Spotify taking a punt on you. And I think, you know, there are good reasons why you would want to do it either way. And clearly the BBC ends up giving you a big wadge of money up front because it can't necessarily do anything uh, anywhere else. Um, uh, To expect the BBC to... Uh, leave the IP with with the podcaster after giving them a big watch of money is uh, you know I don't know I'm, I'm I'm not sure how realistic that is.
1: Mm. Well, one place we know they won't be going is Facebook or Meta or whatever new incarnation it'll be called next week. (laughs) Well, maybe. (laughs) Uh, It seems Ashley Carman's been very busy again. Uh, She says that uh, she's had a little dig around and it seems that Facebook's lost interest in podcasting. Um, And I know you noted that uh, Irina Lam, who was the person who came out with all the announcements around Facebook's podcast creator programme, is now working on music and building a music insights product for Facebook. So yeah, so she's even moved on. Does it does it worry you that Facebook's gone into this market and not really delivered and moved off, or or is you know? I mean,
0: it just seems strange that Facebook would go into the market would would dip a toe in because they only um, did podcasting for the US market. Um, they would dip a toe in and they would go, what what does this feel like? And then, you know, maybe they were scared away with the content moderation conversations that Joe Rogan had been... Um, you know scaring the rest of us with or maybe they were scared away with something else I don't know or maybe it was a it was an issue with accessibility and they thought that that was a a legal issue who knows why they've turned around and said no but it does seem quite sad that a company that has 1.5 billion visitors every day that's how big Facebook is that could have been amazingly big for podcasting and it's a disappointment that all of a sudden they've gone quiet, they've um, basically not particularly interested in podcasting anymore, um, and uh, seemingly pulling out of that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I wonder whether part of that is um, another, you know, Facebook obviously had had uh, also got their own version of Green Room, uh, live audio rooms, and I wonder whether part of that was just that that wasn't going anywhere, and so they felt that... Uh, you know uh, that they wanted to pull back from that, and we're reading a little bit too much into it in terms of podcasts. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's just it's just a bit sad to see Facebook not actually doing doing anything there, and sad to see YouTube remaining a little bit quiet on their on their plans as well. Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we were surprised at podcast movement evolutions so that Facebook weren't there to say anything or do anything. I guess this explains it. Um, and I've always said that the way they implemented podcasting was wrong. They they put it on a Facebook page rather than a Facebook group. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it never worked for me anyway. All right, moving on then, James. James. Uh, iHeart Media plans to triple the amount of branded podcasts it creates. Uh, a premium article, another one behind the wall, um, in Adweek also gives the rates for a branded podcast with iHeart between $1 million and $2 million, according to its chief marketing officer, Gail Troberman. So I guess they're doubling down on branded podcasts.
0: Yeah, I guess they are. And I guess that makes sense. If you're I Media, you're talking to lots of advertisers, lots of brands anyway. And so actually, this is the, exactly the way of leveraging the benefit that you have in your massive sales team by uh, focusing on producing branded podcasts, which is a hot thing right now, isn't it? So, um you know I mean, charging between one and two million dollars for a branded podcast is interesting. um I'm sure that we would do it for only seven hundred and fifty thousand sam <laughs> i I'm, I'm, I'm sure that <laughs> we would be fine, but I think um yeah i mean it it kind of it kind of almost makes sense that they would do that
1: yeah well, well let's watch this space and see how many people take up that one to two million offer mm.
0: um
1: James, are podcasts too long uh snippet.fm is a short form podcast network and their ceo tyler russell says uh that yeah he thinks that podcasts should be about 20 minutes the old story how long should a podcast be
0: (laughs) the old story indeed i think tyler russell McCusker has got a good point here in terms of um in terms of podcasts i think that there are quite a few podcasts which are quite long and quite flabby as you know one of the things that i uh, try and push for and on this podcast is to keep it tight and, um, you know, and to respect the time of our audience as much as we possibly can. Um, and I think that, you know, he's, he's, he's got a point there. It's interesting that he's using um, technology to help fix that. Uh, but he's an ex-radio person. He understands the benefit of, um, of uh, tightness and, um, you know, moving on. And I, and I think that's uh, always interesting. Um, the correct answer, of course, to how long a podcast should be is as long as it needs to be, but not a second longer. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's the secret. Um, that, uh, Or as Valerie Geller, who's a great uh, radio and podcast uh, trainer, uh, would end up saying, there is no such thing as too long, only too boring. Uh, which is absolutely correct.
1: Well, I suppose if you have a look at your Apple Connect stats, it'll tell you where your audience drops off as well.
0: Yes, indeed. Either your Apple Connect stats or your stats from Spotify for podcasters or indeed um, uh, in the Google Podcast Manager. Yeah, there's lots of um, data to help you there.
1: So So check out snippet.fm if you want to have a short-form podcast network. Now, I've added this story to the script this week, James, not because um, I think it's podcast directly relatable, but I do think there's a lesson that podcasting can learn from it. It seems that Netflix is losing s- subscribers for the first time in 10 years. Now, when I when I saw that and I read the story, um, it wasn't exactly that many subscribers. They lost 200,000 subscribers. But in the big f- hmm. scheme of things, that's not that many. But of course it is a trend that's gone against where they've normally gone, which is growth. And I think we saw that uh, with Tom Webster with the infinite dial. I know you um, tweeted the photo of the chart that Tom Webster posted at Podcast Movement. So is this just the industry of all people just saying, look, lockdown's finished, we're going out to play and subscribers both in podcasting and in Netflix are dropping. Was there something else behind these stories?
0: No, I think uh, there is a lot of change in the media landscape at the moment, and uh, I can well see that people are waking up and going, you know what, we're paying for an awful lot, we've we signed up to an awful lot of these paid-for uh, TV uh, systems uh, last year, um, and we should cancel a few of them. Um, I can well see that that's uh, that makes sense. And similarly, um, with uh, Edison Research's Infinite Dial data that came out at uh, the podcast movement, um, where that showed a slight drop in the number of people who are listening to podcasts. Again, I think that, that that is explained away by saying that that's people going back to work, going back to school, and literally not having the time. There's some new data that's come out from Ofcom um, uh, today, which is around podcast consumption and everything else. One of the questions it asks is, Why did you stop listening to podcasts? And the answer. Uh, the number one answer is I can't find any podcasts that interest me. But the number two answer is I don't have enough time to listen to podcasts. And I think that that's a big thing. 29% of people say that they stop listening to podcasts because they don't have enough time. Uh, again, it comes back to that previous conversation we were having about how long a podcast should be. So, um, yeah, so I think, I think you know, what we're prob- probably seeing with Netflix, what we're probably seeing with um, uh, The Infinite Dial, and what I suspect that we will see with other Bits of data over the next um, six months or so is we'll actually see a slight cooling in the amount of on demand media which is being consumed because people have more of a life again, and I think that that's probably a good thing.
1: Mm. Well, Reed Hastings, the CEO of Netflix, said, or is he the chairman now, I think, um, that they may be considering adding ads to the netflix platform he says it works for hulu and netflix will adopt a similar model he's also looking at charging three dollars uh, an extra fee on top to users who share their accounts with people in other households how are they going to track that that'll be interesting but i clearly understand that people are just giving over their accounts to other people uh, and they're just logging in, using it, consuming it and logging out. So um, they have a problem there.
0: Yeah, I can I, I can absolutely see that. Um, I think also I found a great quote from Reed Hastings. This is back in 2018. And he was saying he sees Netflix's competition as literally anything with a screen. And he was saying back in 2018, we compete with and we lose to Fortnite much more than we do HBO. Um, and so the point here is that actually, um, you know, he 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 sees competition as just as just being time more than more than anything else. And I I think that um, there's lots to learn for for the podcast industry. One of the things that worries me about podcast companies like Acast, for example, who is there. Fighting against other podcast companies and trying to win business from the likes of Buzzsprout or Blueberry or Libsyn or anybody else is that actually that that's a carnivorous activity that's not going to help anybody. Whereas what we really want is we really need a more more of a growth plan into all of podcasting, rather than um, trying to fight um, in between ourselves for individual you know podcast. Um, you know individual podcast companies none of that makes sense i think we should be growing the industry and that, and that's something that we should be focusing on
1: mm. this subscriber growth uh, has taken uh, an estimated 45 billion dollars of the value of netflix uh, i think you're right james time and attention the uh, two limited values that uh, you can't pay for
0: Yeah, indeed. And uh, very difficult to get more of that per week. Hmm. Um, You know, that's a very difficult thing.
1: (laughs) Now, moving on, Uh, the Parcast Union has ratified its first union contract with the Writers Guild of America East. It means that pay rises for the employees as well as diversity commitments have been reached in the new agreement. Um, Otherwise, I think they were going to go on strike. Reading the article, it seems the 56 member group uh, stuck together uh, and pledged to strike if they didn't get what they wanted. So is this a good thing for the industry,
0: James? I mean, I think it's certainly um, good to see that um, Parcast uh, is um, listening to its employees a bit more and um, doing some good things like uh, making sure that uh, there, are d- there are decent raises for those employees to bring them up to the industry standard payment, uh, which I think makes uh, a bunch of sense. There are quite a few things that the union wanted and got and some things that the union didn't uh, get, uh, particularly around IP ownership and uh, rights. But then of course, you know, we've just had that conversation um, if you're working for somebody and somebody else is taking the risk for you, then it's a little bit much to also ask um, for the benefits of all of that risk too. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so I can I can kind of uh, uh, see that. But, um, yeah, it's interesting now that that now means that um, the Writers Guild of America East is both... Um, is both working with the Parcast Union as well as uh, at Gimlet Media and The Ringer as well. They're also working at iHeart Radio as well, which um, should be an interesting conversation uh, too. So lots of unionisation stories going on in the US as well. I mean, obviously Amazon is having its unionisation story as well. And so, um, you know, interesting to see what comes out of that. And, uh, you know, the the industry is, you know, historically been a very um, startup focused industry, which has had certain things that it wants to um, aim for and, ne- and not necessarily seen the employee as uh, the most important thing. And actually, you know, employees are pretty important, uh, it turns out.
1: Hmm. I think if you look at what we've been talking about today, it seems that IP ownership is pretty critical now within contracts, exclusives people's time and attention and in this case uh people's ownership of their their content um yeah i think it's interesting we'll see whether spotify who say they won't budge on this ip ownership and derivative rights will um, find the union coming back for a second hit at them
0: yeah but i i also think you know i mean again if if you pay me a salary um then Um, uh, at the end of the day, what are you paying me the salary for? You're paying me the salary to come up with ideas which you can go away and sell. Hmm. I have an interesting relationship with unions because I'm there on one side thinking, well, you know, a, a lot of what they say makes an awful lot of sense. But then on the other side, a lot of what they say is sort of relatively unworkable when it comes to actually running a business and you know, you can't run a business, but also let your employees just run away with things that you have paid them to come up with in 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 the time that you have paid them. Um, they can't just run away with that and take that to a competitor. That's not that's not how you run a business. I, I don't really understand how that bit works. If you if you want to do your own thing do your own thing. Stop exactly. working for the man and do your own thing. So, um, yeah, but maybe that's just because I've worked for myself for the last 13 years and, um, and I have a different, a different view on these things.
1: Now, Libsyn, the parent company to advertise cast not good news, James, has had its trading in shares suspended by the SEC. It seems the company hasn't filed financial reports for any period since September the 30th, 2020. The company has appointed a new CFO uh, to try and help sort this stuff out. What's going on at Libsyn, James?
0: Well, what is going on at Libsyn? I mean, we've known that this uh, is likely to have happened for uh, some time. Um, but uh, Libsyn have been doing some you know, strange old things recently uh, in terms of their uh, finances. There's been a complicated um Uh, uh, conversation going on around some Chinese um, uh, stakeholders that they uh, have Um, and uh, back in February the SEC said that Libsyn had been delinquent with its financial filings. I love the SEC's um, uh, words they seem to use very long words when they don't necessarily need to but still there we are. And so, you know, I mean, back in February, Libsyn was saying that perhaps this will mean that stock in the company might not be able to be uh, traded. But the company said back then that it's working closely with its external counsel, independent auditors and tax experts to, as promptly as practicable, finalise and file the outstanding Exchange Act reports and any reports that become due subsequently – um, uh, Libsyn were uh, sponsoring um, Pod News in February when I reported that and uh, Libsyn's advertised cast are supporting Pod News when I'm now reporting about their shares being uh, being suspended. Um, I think it's a bit of uh, financial theatre. I don't necessarily think um, that it's uh, anything worse than that um, and I don't think there's any worry about uh, a Libsyn, um, uh, company at all. Um, so, uh, it, it would just be nice, um, for Libsyn to get their, um, to get their accounts in order but you know having said that i i'm you know I, I i do my accounts every now and again and i hate doing my accounts and i'm sure that lives in aids doing their accounts too
1: but they pay someone to do that james is called an
0: accountant yes they do they pay <laughs> they pay somebody and they've also had all kinds of issues because they didn't pay any vat in europe for a long long time and so that was a problem and you know it's it's just been um, a bit of a catalog of of oops um so hopefully the new CFO that they hired uh, last year will uh, help sort, sort that out. Uh, he's a nice man called Jonathan Charak. And, um, you know, Jonathan uh, has uh, worked at, um, you know, all kinds of other Interesting uh, companies in 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 the past, including a renewable energy and a cannabis company. Um, so uh, you know he he will be very uh, well versed with uh, how to fix all of this stuff. But it won't be an easy fix.
1: Well, he'll certainly be chilled out about fixing it. That's for certain.
0: <laughs> you will. Here we go. Ah, oh, don't know why you're bothering, man. I don't know why you're bothering. Yeah. Also, renewable energy. Telecommunications. He's worked in, and um, he he used to work as a fractional CFO. I wonder what a fractional CFO is. That's a really interesting part time. Is that what is is that what it means? That's part time, -time, James. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why don't they just say part time instead of fractional? None of this makes none of this makes any sense. It's it's like it's like um, the SEC's phrasing. Uh, actually, ended up saying, and I will quote it because this is this is the SEC. It is hereby ordered that, pursuant to Section 12J of the Exchange Act, the registration of each class of respondents' securities registered pursuant to Exchange Act Section 12B and hereby is revoked. I mean, you know, what what what's what's wrong with just using English, you know, normal English rather than. All of this silly nonsense but anyway
1: you can't get paid as much for for unless it's silly english you must know that that's what lawyers do
0: <laughs> i think you're right Right. Yes. Let's let's uh, talking about uh, being being quick and and uh, and everything else. Let's move on to some quick things that we've got here.
1: Yeah, a little bit of quick news that you've been writing about. I thought we'd just uh, highlight. Plink is a service that makes smart podcast links to shows and episodes. It's turn three, uh, says its founder Scott Matheson. In fact, uh, you said that Pod News uses it.
0: Yes, Pod News has a page on there, and it's a very good little service that um, helps you find podcasts on a variety of different places. Uh, So congratulations to that. Uh, Sounds profitable. Brian Barletta took a deep dive into Adory Labs. Now Adory Labs was at um, Podcast Movement Evolutions. They're a clever piece of new technology which makes getting audio content into YouTube a much more simple and engaging experience. It basically adds tons of uh, related um, pictures uh, in there as well. So uh, interesting to take a peek at that if you want to. I love Brian Barletta's deep dives because it's really good to be able to actually see inside a product Um, and understand what it does so it's a good piece of work
1: there. Ted Audio Collective has signed with Supercast to offer paid subscriptions for TED Talks Daily?
0: Yes, they have. Um, Supercast is interesting. It's one of the only third party companies that enables you to uh, work in Apple Podcasts as well as in Spotify and in Google Podcasts. It's basically one of those subscription platforms that works everywhere. The other one, I think, is Supporting Cast. I don't think that there are any other. Third party available ones. Doubtless I'll now get emails, comments at podland.news. Um, but um, nice to see uh, TED Talks Daily signing up. It's one of the very biggest podcasts. I think it's in the top five. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how that works. But congratulations to uh, Supercast, which I think is a good Canadian company, I think. I think it's out of Vancouver or Victoria. Anyway, congratulations to them uh, in getting uh, the TED Audio Collective uh, signed up. Also congratulations to Captivate, who have done a deal with the Hospital Broadcasting Association who have launched their own podcast hosting network. This is a really clever and smart idea, actually. They've got loads of radio station members for the Hospital Broadcasting Association. So if you're not from the UK, lots of uh, hospitals have their own radio stations because it's actually proven that... um Uh, radio actually makes you feel better and so uh, it's also a very good training ground for aspiring broadcasters Um, and so the Hospital Broadcasting Association has basically done a deal with uh, Captivate where um, if you're a member of the Broadcasting Association then you can add your shows um to their uh, platform which is uh, a very good good thing at no additional charge you obviously pay to be a member of the hpa and so that's a good thing so uh, many congratulations to both captivate who i used to be a a advisor for and uh, the hpa who i was once i was once um working for a hospital radio station a long 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 time ago
1: (laughs) what hospital was that james it
0: was uh jewsbury and uh, it was hwd which uh, is celebrating its 70th birthday this month so happy birthday hwd and yes Um,
1: mrs miggins in bed five we loved you
0: yes exactly ward seven you know here's some jim reeves for you yes exactly (laughs) um hey i've got i've got a toy what i've got a toy look can you can you see can you see what i've got here i've got this beautiful beautiful uh wireless mouse you bought yes. it so i bought a wireless <laughs> mouse because i needed um i needed a new mouse basically because my other mouse was um not very good and if i use a touchpad for a long long time then i get rsi so i uh, don't want that kids um so i ended up buying a it's a logitech m650l wireless mouse it's forty dollars uh, in the u.s Um, but the reason why I bought it is that it's, it's got silent buttons so I can actually click and you won't hear the clicks. So that's a good start because you know how, you know, mice are normally incredibly loud. So that's pretty good. The other thing about it, apart from, you know, it's Bluetooth and, and, and all of that stuff. But the other thing about it is, is, is that it's got two additional buttons and you can program the additional buttons depending on what app you're using so now in hindenburg i can now uh split and cut and all of that automatically from the little buttons on the side which i've managed to be able to uh, to a program so it's a really good thing and it struck me that actually a silent mouse with some extra buttons is a is a thing to write about so i did <laughs> i only wish i got it free now.
1: My, my question was i nearly went and dived in to buy buy one last night for the radio station i was thinking and then i stopped myself and i went Hang on a minute. Can't you just turn the click sound off of all mice? Doesn't the the killer feature near silent buttons actually work on every mouse? No,
0: no, it doesn't at all. No, it's, it's, um, you know, hang on a minute. Let me me show you. (laughs) Here is a cheap mouse that came with my daughter's Raspberry Pi. And when you click it, you get this horrible noise right and then when you click this and this is where i right need to make sure that i'm not going to stop it from, <laughs> from recording or anything when you click this can you hear that yeah yeah he is actually pressing a mouse button people yes yeah so you see um so no it's it's um it's just part and parcel of a cheap crappy um uh mouse is that is that it's got clicky buttons whereas this uh is still a is still a cheap mouse it's not necessarily crappy um but it doesn't have those horrible clicky buttons so no it's a special thing
1: yeah i will go back to amazon and complete my order then
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'll give you an affiliate code
1: no i won't <laughs> yeah <I> do <laughs> might as well make a few pennies out of it put that in the beer fund um uh, and last but not least um one of the job things uh that appeared on pod news uh i don't normally look at the job things because i've got no need to but um so you say buzzsprout yes. yeah next (laughs) week who knows what i'll be doing then um buzzsprout um are looking for a youtube platform specialist Alban and Kevin, what are you up to?
0: Yes, well, what are you up to? Good spot, because I haven't spotted that, because uh, uh, I don't look at the job listings either, because again, why would I need to? Um, but good spot. So uh, yes, it's listed at podjobs.net at the moment. It's a YouTube platform specialist. Now, I thought to myself, oh, maybe they know something about YouTube's podcast ambitions, and maybe they're wanting somebody to work with YouTube for podcasts, etc., etc. No. No, it's not that it's making the Buzzsprout YouTube channel better so basically so. <laughs> it's a job around marketing content creation and community uh, management uh, you can work remotely um, I'm suspecting within the US only but you can work remotely uh, the salary is $70,000 which sounds nice doesn't wow. it you also get health in- <laughs> go job there. <laughs> you, you also get health insurance um uh which must be an exciting thing for an american um and uh 401k and you get paid time off art uh, american job ads brilliant paid time off yeah um and you also get it says here lots of podcasting equipment so they must get sent an awful lot for review yes um but uh, yeah so if you are somebody that completely understands youtube and um, you can produce, you know, thumbnails and everything else. You understand how the YouTube algorithm works. You have experience running a YouTube channel, then hop to it. Uh, it's podjobs.net. You've got until uh, May the 10th uh, to get your um, your information in. And uh, what it also says is that uh, it's a remote first position, um, but... Uh, there's one uh, yearly retreat that you will get to go to and also an optional Christmas party in Florida uh, <laughs> every year so so uh, yeah and up to two podcast conferences each year as needed so uh, mm-hmm. yeah no it looks a good gig I'm quite I'm quite ta- I'm quite taken with it
1: i was gonna say they're very nice people they sponsor us as well so uh yeah yeah. what else could we say
0: and and you get 15 days holiday 15 (laughs) sam 15 i'm just saying this is european where we get 25 normally but 15 There you go. And don't use them all at once. Now, uh, tech corner movie. No, but make sure. But make sure that you use them because they are non-accumulating. Oh. It also says <laughs> make sure that you use them. <laughs> hmm. Oh dear. Anyway, uh, let's stop taking the Mickey out of the Americans yes. now uh and uh yes let's uh um uh, you you want to talk about web sub and pod ping? Don't not you? particularly but i
1: just thought i'd say something in tech corner this week um
0: <laughs> okay but
1: yes you wrote about it so i thought i'd mention it um are you web sub pod pinging and updating your shows well maybe you want to when you delete your rs feed uh also downstream remind people to pod ping them as well to remind them that the feed should be removed from the directory um, but I generally think most people, when they stop podcasting, that's the last thing they're thinking about doing.
0: Yeah, no, of course. And I think this is really aimed at, um, you know, people like Buzzsprout, who are already pod pinging and web subbing and all of that kind of stuff, um, uh, that uh, when they say goodbye to a customer, which I, I, I'm guessing very rarely happens, uh, but when they are saying goodbye to a customer, um, then just um, giving a little pod ping, uh, when that RSS feed goes away, it just means that um, people like the podcast index know that that RSS feed has gone away, um, which is uh, a good thing because it's always um, it's always good to um, uh, give a hint that a podcast should be. Deleted from the system.
1: I'll send that over to Michelle and Barack Obama when they leave Spotify. See if they'll let them know.
0: <laughs> now now. <laughs> uh, now I tell you, I tell you what it is time for. Now it's time for the boost, 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 <coughs> <coughs> to Gram Corner. It's too much. Yes, it's time for Booster Gram Corner. It's my favorite time, apparently, so you say. But it's very exciting to see a new booster. Uh, So uh, thank you very much, Mark Goston, uh, who is host of the Wood-Fired Oven podcast. There's a podcast for everything, even a podcast about wood-fired ovens. G'day, welcome to the Wood-Fired Oven podcast, where I take a deep dive into the techniques, recipes and history
1: of wood-fired oven cooking.
0: And Mark Goston says, love what you're doing, guys. New listener, learning a lot from your deep dives. Keep up the great work. Cheers, Mark. Well, cheers, Mark. Thank you. 1,500 sats from Castomatic. Mark, thank you so much. It's really good to see new people hitting that uh, boost button. If you've got a boost button, and you should hold it down and send us a message. That would be really nice. Uh, we got something from uh, Kyron. my... Um my Brisbane buddy. It looks like a Levi's uh, boost. 501. Oh, nice. I see what you've done there.
1: <laughs> Only you and I will get that reference, but that's fine. We'll move on. Um, retranscripts transcripts versus closed captions. Are people with auditory issues actually asking for transcripts or for captions? As I put my vids on YouTube, which has closed captions is there any additional benefit from them having the full text as well because i don't want them reading my podcast i want them to listen and watch it so i guess what kieran's saying is should transcripts be included or is there a demand for transcripts?
0: Well, I think the answer to that is um, uh, is that uh, we are not the right person to ask because uh, we do not have auditory issues. Um, but my understanding from those people who I have talked to is that closed captions are good in certain situations and that transcripts are good for certain other ones. And certainly transcripts are very helpful for things like um, Google and uh... you know seo and all of that kind of uh, stuff so whether you don't want people reading your podcast i think that's a different conversation Um, But I think certainly both transcripts and closed captions can be useful, uh, is my own personal view. But uh, if you have a better view, then I would love to hear it as well. Um, uh, Either hit the boost button and tell us, or comments at podland.news.
1: The Podfather has sent us 5,000 sats. He said, uh, consider using the podcast standard instead of namespace. Not sure what that's in reference to.
0: Uh, yes, I think it's um, it's us talking about the podcast namespace a lot, and he wants uh, people to use the phrase podcast standard. I will run a mile before I use the word standard, because standards to me mean lots of meetings and lots of tedious, boring documents and, and everything else. And uh, so, no, I'm going to carry on using namespace, but thank you for your point of view. <laughs> inventor of this medium. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think we need to be very careful when we start talking about standards and uh, talking about uh, all of that kind of uh, stuff. I think that uh, the podcast namespace is a great thing that uh, that, uh, the podcast index uh, team are working on. Uh, And... Personally, I think that there's nothing wrong with it. Um but uh, yeah, there we go.
1: Hmm. Kevin Finn, uh from Buzzsprout Centres three six eight six stats. Uh, I'm sure that has a reference. It does because that's the yes, number I'll, t- I'll,
0: I'll tell you what that reference <laughs> yeah, That was the number of new podcasters <laughs> that was on Buzzsprout last week. <laughs> yes of course I
1: forgot. Um look forward to seeing you both in London for the podcast show. Yeah, Kevin, look forward to meeting up with you in London. Um we'll we'll certainly take you out for some uh warm brown wet uh beer so there you go
0: yes it's not warm it's just cellar temperature it's not it's just not refrigerated i get very upset um people say that and thank you neil who i think is also a new booster uh who sent us three sets thanks neil uh from fountain saying awesome uh then sent us another three sets saying awesome then sent us another three sets saying awesome but with only Oh well, look, he's he's put a different amount of exclamation marks. Yes, all the way through. Wow, this is complicated, isn't it? Anyway, thank you for the <laughs> for the twelve sats, Neil, um, and for your four mes- messages of awesome into the fountain app. Um, genuinely, that's uh, that's very good of you, um, and uh, it's good. to good to hear that you think that something is awesome I'm not quite sure what good good that you do
1: now uh event corner um the podcast show which we keep talking about in london on may the 25th is uh fast approaching um if you want you can still get a discount promo code using pod news which will save you 20 percent off a limited number of day passes uh james and i will be there and we look forward to meeting many many of you if you are making it across the water from around the world or if you're just in the uk and coming into london
0: yes indeed and podcast movement 2022 is happening in dallas in texas i uh, should be there assuming that i buy the tickets um and uh, you're you're just going on holiday aren't you instead um but that's okay Yeah, you're allowed. I'm just
1: not going back to America. I'm going to go to Italy.
0: That's You're allowed. You're allowed holidays. Um, May the 4th. Oh, no.
1: I I wouldn't be if I was going to Buzzsprout. I wouldn't have enough holiday (laughs) allowance.
0: It's just because they're American. It's nothing to do with them being Buzzsprout. Um, right. Also going okay. on is the New Zealand Podcasting Summit, which is on May the 14th in Auckland, uh, which should be quite fun. There's the Outlier Podcast Festival happening in Austin in Texas on May the 5th and 6th. And Plenty more things uh, for you to end up going to. The Black Pod Festival um, also in Atlanta in Georgia on the 28th of uh, May. Um, Loads of other stuff. If you want to see more of those, then pod.events is uh, where to go. So what's been happening for you this week in uh, Podland, Sam?
1: Well, I've been working with Headliner, um, with Neil Modi and his team, on hopefully a really interesting way to automate... um, audiograms so Neil's uh, coming on the show next week to talk about it but what we've been talking about since podcast movement is what Neil's team did with Headliner was allow you to take the full RSS feed and push that out to your YouTube channel automatically and we're doing that with Podland But also you can go in there and put your RSS feed and it will automatically create using AI four clippable items that you can put to Twitter, TikTok. Hey, maybe we put it on our TikTok channel, James, and um, other places. The problem I've got as RIV Radio, I've got over 30 different RSS feeds now for each show. And the thing is that all of those feeds come into my inbox because i'm the admin for that account and of course when you multiply that by four and then they do that three times a week i get about a hundred clips coming into my inbox and uh, in the best effort that i could do i will never ever be able to post all of those correctly so we're looking at how similar to the way that they do full rss automation straight to youtube that there will be a way that i can take those clippable items and automate those out to my social media endpoints. That's what I've been working on.
0: Wowzers, yes. Imagine the email you must get from ACAST. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And that reminds me that uh, Tom Billington will also be on this show next week. He is um, one of the people at the podcast show London, so he'll be telling us a little bit more about what to expect in london in the middle of may so looking forward to that too so james what's been happening for you in podland this week i've been having loads of chats about things that i can't talk about which is really good um some very (laughs) cool technology which we'll be able to play with when we're at the podcast show london because it will be announced by them but it won't be announced until the very first day of podcast show london um uh, and that is uh, from Norway. That's literally all that I can tell you. Um, and I'm also working on two new podcast conferences, uh, which are happening later on uh, this year. So that's been good. Um, and um, and and also, just as a by the by, I discovered a new tool that's um, new to me. It's been going for a while, uh, which is all around email testing. One of the problems that I've had for a long, long time is that when you send a email to somebody who's running Outlook, for example, you've no idea what it looks like. And I don't have a a Windows machine at all, and I have no idea what um, the emails that Podnews has been sending out look like in Outlook. Um, And so either I could spend somewhere in the region of of $90 or $100 per month, that's US dollars, uh, on a a very expensive testing tool and then have to cancel it, or I discovered this thing called testy.at, and testy.at is um, much the same, but it's much, much cheaper. Uh, It's about 16 quid a month, and you just pay for one month, and that's it. So that's been really good. And so I've been nerding out testing and playing around with the um, uh, email templates uh, for uh, PodNews. And uh, if you're using uh, particularly Outlook, then you should see some um, welcome changes. Um, uh, happening in your email.
1: Mm, I'll have a look at that later.
0: And that's it for this week. If you like Podland, tell others to visit. Tell your friends on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, or wherever.
1: You can also email comments at podland.news and you'll also find all our previous shows and interviews at podland.news.
0: Uh, if you'd like daily news, you should get Pod News. The newsletter's free at podnews.net. The podcast can be found in your podcast app or your smart speaker and all the stories we've discussed on Podlands today are in the show notes. We use chapters and transcripts too.
1: Our music is from Ignite Jingles and we're hosted and sponsored by our good friends at Buzzsprout. Keep listening.